0: welcome back to podcast 23 of 2023 i'm your host kiev O'Neill. follow me on twitter at ob kiev follow us at the eyesbreakers and follow us on social media slash the eyesbreakers this episode is being brought to you by shot quality bets for 30% off shot quality, please visit Shot Quality. Best use the promo code ODDS23. Get a new perspective in capping college basketball. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit the theozbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our premium cappers to get their plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. But if nothing else, please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks newsletter and Telegram subscriber. What a crazy weekend of college basketball! Massive upsets happening. (laughs) Uh, Terrible beats are happening, as we saw. Just been a ton of parody so far in this tournament. Three point shooting is down. So that really helped a lot of the unders. The first, I believe the first uh, day, there was, I think the under went 14 and 2 or something like that. There's been a massive hit to the under again this year. And part of the reason was because, you know, some teams got blown out. Some teams slowed it down at the end. I was on more unders than overs, at least. My, I didn't do a good job picking my first half unders. I should have probably just blanketed them. But I didn't think that first half unders were just as good as the unders in general this year. I myself, probably down about 10 units over the weekend, I went 7-8 and eight on Thursday, 8-9 on Friday, Eight and ten on Saturday and five and five on Sunday from a premium perspective. But did some good in-game stuff and hit a few personal parlays. (laughs) That helped some of the three-teamers, more or less. I think I hit one five-teamer. But, uh, you know, in general, not as good as I was at this time last year. But I'm very excited for uh, the Sweet 16 getting ahead of some line moves. As we speak right now, and I'm going to go over some of these Sweet 16 games, kind of initial thoughts, a couple plays here and there on this podcast. In general, I lost a lot of plays by about a half point, which was disappointing on uh, many fronts. Especially yesterday at UConn, first half, I just knew they were a lot better than St. Mary's. I should have took the four and a half, but I found a wonderful number UConn minus one and a half on uh, them in the first half, and they end up just winning by one, you know. And then, of course, they, the whole game they win by 15. They just had a terrible first half, couldn't shoot it at all, and then the second half they kind of became UConn again. So definitely had some issues with some of those plays. Some of our sprinkles went very well on uh, some of the bets we've been playing. Obviously, the first big upset was Virginia going down to Furman, you know, that was about a six-point dog at some points during the week. Uh, bet the second half fairly Dickinson against Purdue, plus 11.5. A half, little sprinkle on that as well. I mean, Purdue just showing everybody how bad the Big Ten is, unfortunately, in that situation. You know, at Purdue, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of stuff that didn't go their way. I, th- I thought that Edie was getting hacked almost every time. But that's how life is during the tournament you can't control what type of calls you're going to get for example duke when they played tennessee uh that game was rough and that was the way to beat duke you had the right officiating group didn't call a lot of fouls in the beginning of the game uh filipowski got elbowed so hard in the eye that he was split open and they didn't even call that a flagrant you know they said that was incidental well if you're getting a rebound and you swing your elbows hard you you do know there's people around you i have no idea why that wasn't more punished but punishable because their best game their best player was really taken out of the game there you know and i believe roach got elbowed like the very next play itself so it was just kind of crazy to see duke having getting so roughed up yet only shot seven free throws the entire game you know 20 free throws in total for the Duke Tennessee game. And so it worked out perfect for Tennessee. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Kansas state games where they're shooting well over 25 free throws. Xavier shot 30 free throws against Kennesaw state in a shootout. That was a close game and Kennesaw state sitting there only with, uh, about 13 or 14 free throws attempted. And then you have Xavier with 30, (laughs) you know, I mean, a lot of those games went that way too. It just depends upon what crew you're going to get. If you're getting, if you're a very defensive-oriented team, you want a crew that doesn't blow the whistle, right? I mean, you want to be allowed to play defense and rough teams up, hack a little bit. And if you're an offensive-oriented team, you do want those whistles because you're kind of charging the rim, flailing your body a little bit. You know, uh, if you're not getting those calls and you're getting defended hard, chances are you're going to lose that game if you're a fast-paced team. If you are getting those calls, chances are you're going to win it. So I kind of felt that a lot of those games went in those two different directions. Now, from a bad Pete perspective, holy cow. I mean, that's there's plenty of them this tournament. But watching how TCU covered that game was absolutely insane. I mean, 0.7 seconds... Gonzaga is up six the spread was minus four minus four and a half right you're feeling pretty good about your Gonzaga ticket right there 0.7 seconds. he rolls the ball down the court and the ball just keeps rolling it just imagine fans that bet Gonzaga looking at that oh, no! <laughs> you know I mean then you're like okay just 0.7 seconds no way the dude picks up the ball in light speed and just chess passes it up in the air and it goes in for three points, completely blowing the spread. Fucking bullshit! <laughs> absolutely insane. Another pretty bad of the weekend, and maybe I should have just did the old good, bad, and ugly of the weekend, was line value. I mean line value was awful. You know, I saw for example I, I had great line value. I mean if you if you if I would have been judged on line value, I probably would have been about 70% of the weekend rather than close to 50. You know, but from a line value perspective, you saw FAU open minus 12 and a half against Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean that spread was off all the efficiency sites had at 16 17 18. I knew that. I thought it should be about 15 points myself. But I took the minus 12 and a half. Immediately, it shoots up to 15 and a half. Stays at 15 and a half. And that's where it closed. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy back a little bit. This is the tournament. It's been crazy. I know Fairleigh Dickinson's not that good. They did beat Purdue somehow. Uglyed up the game. Well, I'm glad I bought back a little bit. And it was only for half. Because even though the numbers said this should be a 17 or 18 point win via all the efficiency sites out there, the Torvix, the Hazlitt Matrix, the Canpoms, Fairley Dickinson still easily cover that game. You know, they're never out of it. You know, so it, just because you have great line value doesn't guarantee a win. After time, it makes a difference. Lots of time. But a lot of times the steam is wrong on this stuff, you know, and that's going to happen. And, even with some great line value, I've had a lot of close, uh, very close losses. So, going to keep doing the thing I do, getting ahead of the lines, because at least that gives me the option to kind of buy back. I had Duke minus two and a half. Gave it out at three. That thing closed at, what, four against Tennessee? They were never in that game because they got roughed up. Never in the game. So, kind of tough for... Uh, Anybody that wanted Duke to come out of that side of the bracket. But I got to tell you, Tennessee was probably one of the least picked seeds coming out of that bracket due to their injury, and now they're looking pretty sweet to make the Final Four. I mean, who you got in your way? Kansas State that doesn't play defense inside. Michigan State that is a, what, seven seed or something? You know? And Don't get me wrong, Izzo's done a good job so far. A lot of people were on Marquette. That was a close game, but I mean, things got great for them because Purdue was ousted the very first game that they played. Another massive upset. Second time I remember a number one seed going down since it's been sixty four or higher teams since Virginia. You know, since Virginia lost to Baltimore, Maryland. (laughs) So that's how long it's been. But man, the tournament's been fun. A lot of excitement some bad shooting i guess you would say but that's why the unders have been slammed so much and i'm expecting a lot of the same coming up to this weekend one over i did take last night late game i added was gonzaga versus tcu well that thing went way over and uh seems uh, seems to be out in denver that court's been pretty good so far for points so that was one of the reasons i did plus the unders were just overbought so much I just did not expect a lot of defense being played in this game, and I was right. Now, in general, we'll see how I approach it this week, but that's why we're talking to you today. We're going to go through each and every one of these games briefly to see if we can find a side or a total that we like for the Sweet 16. All right, starting with Thursday in chronological order, we're going to go with Kansas state hosting michigan state and this is at plus two total 137.5 and kansas state is the team that's plus two so this game is in madison square gardens in new york city so in, in the garden what you have to look for is unders i mean it's an unders arena and that's how these games mostly play when it comes to college. There's dark backdrops, okay? So first inclination is not to be too excited about the over unless this thing uh, gets massively out of hand. Now, the interesting for Kansas State is they seem to keep overcoming situations with big men. And when I mean big men is Kentucky should have had a field day a little bit more inside, and they did score a lot inside with Toshibwe and Toppin, but not enough to stop Kansas State. Uh, you know, Kansas State's a very guard heavy uh, type team. What I find really interesting is Kansas State's the three seed, uh, Michigan State is the seven seed, yet still favored in this situation. Even Ken Palm has Kansas State ranked a bit higher. Than Michigan State Kansas State is ranked uh, 21 Michigan State is ranked 25 Michigan State is a bad road team in general so is Kansas State they both rank poorly in their home away splits well does it matter that they're on these neutral courts I don't know what I do know is Michigan State should have the near proximity advantage, ranking 62nd to Kansas State's defense at 138. But you think of it this way: 62nd is all you rank near proximity. You know Kentucky ranks higher than that, and uh, Kansas State was still able to score a lot and to you know slow them down a little bit in certain situations. Now Kansas State, believe it or not, actually has a near proximity advantage, even though they're not that tall at 40 three four, sorry 49 And Michigan State's defense is at 76 so slight advantage there um you know neither team really blows you away in any category for some reason Kansas State just guards the three ranking 15th in opponent three point percentage at a very good rate while Michigan State is very good at shooting three ranking six in the nation but real bad from two so it's almost like Kansas State kind of stops them a little bit more um, if they're going to be shooting a lot of threes with good guard play and good perimeter offense. You know, that's important. Guard play is one of the most important things, I think, in this tournament. And when you got guys like Noel (laughs) shooting out of his lights, you know, out of his mind, uh, he only had 5'8". He was just amazing against uh, Kentucky in the tournament. But when Michigan State plays a fast-paced team, like a Kansas State, who ranks 44th in average possession length, they lose. Michigan State, when they played Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament, lost. Ohio State's a faster team. The last loss before that was Iowa, 112 to 106. Before that was Michigan on February 18th. So it just seems like when they're playing the faster teams, they're they tend to get behind and can't play catch up. So I'm seriously concerned for Michigan State in this situation. Going to give you a strong lead to Kansas State right now. Also got to lean the under at 137.5 being at Madison Square Garden. The next game, Arkansas versus UConn. UConn's minus 3.5. The total is 139.5. Arkansas with the massive win against Kansas, as you all know. I thought Kansas kind of froze up a little bit at the end. Um, Arkansas saw some weakness and took advantage. Kansas looked like the better team, but here we are. The SEC looking pretty in the tournament with three teams left. Uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, and of course, Alabama. Uh, Big East actually has three teams as well. So big thing about this game is trying to figure out who's got the better chance of choking. And to be honest with you, it probably is Arkansas. But how big of a lead are they going to have if that situation happens? Eight minutes left in the game. I mean, this is a a three-and-a-half-point spread. It's past the key number of three, which makes it a little bit harder to bet. I certainly just lean UConn in this situation. UConn's offense can be so efficient that they can hit almost everything they're throwing up. They shoot a lot of threes, ranking 65th in three-point attempts in the nation. While Arkansas... Very Jekyll and Hyde, tons of talent, but sometimes they just don't show up. They can't shoot the three that well, ranking 318th in three-point percentage. You know, I think UConn should be having a good advantage at the guard positions, um, and and definitely they have more depth. The problem with Arkansas is they've been injured a lot during the season. Brazil's gone. A few other guys are banged up. They still got through Kansas, but it's just going to be really tough for me to think that they're going to get through a team like UConn who ranks fourth in the nation on Ken Palm, possibly even the number one team. If they can just get it together, they went on a skid or they lost five out of six games, but you know, kind of fix that later throughout the season. Um, and they're hitting, they're hitting and nobody can beat them. So I'm going to give you a strong lean to UConn right now, just based upon their depth. They got some tall guys uh, inside that can dominate. They have some pretty tall guards as well. Six, three, six, five guards, Uh, I I like UConn in their length uh, to to face off an Arkansas team that, you know, pretty much used their length throughout the tournament versus Illinois and Kansas, but might get completely stopped here against the Huskies. Florida Atlantic versus Tennessee, Tennessee minus five. Now it was at five and a half, the total 131.5. And there's only one direction that I can go in this situation. And that is the under. I mean, look at what Tennessee did, roughing up Duke. I I expect them to rough up Florida Atlantic. Without their guard, they're definitely playing a lot slower even than they've been playing in the past. Neither of Tennessee's last two games even got to 120 points. And now you combine Madison Square Garden with the slow play at Tennessee. 61 possessions against Duke total. You know, I, I really... Like the under in this situation, and probably the first half under as well. Now, FAU they do tend to speed it up some, uh, 82nd in average possession length, but that's against Conference USA. You know, let's let's seriously take a look at this team. You know, they're going to slow it down when they play the tougher teams, like they did against Memphis, where that total went just to 131. Uh, And Memphis is a much faster team, faster pace than actually Tennessee. You know, Florida Atlantic, I thought, was kind of overrated coming in. Bad luck happened to Memphis where they got banged up. Their guard got injured, and they just coughed up the ball at the very end. Uh, Got the jump ball and scored two points to win. Now, that's how they beat Memphis. That was another very close loss when I had the money line on Memphis there at a great number. So, I mean, I I like FAU. They're they're solid, but I think finally they're stepping up enough in competition here to warrant this larger of a spread. And I don't think FAU can bang inside with Tennessee. Tennessee's got much more length, and they should be able to score at will inside. So if uh, FAU's off a little bit, uh, watch out, right? I think that they can certainly uh, be in some trouble. Now, FAU's going to pop some threes, that's for sure. But Tennessee is the number one defense at defending the three. You know, FAU shoots a lot of them, ranking 38th. I hope this number keeps going down, because I'll lay it with Tennessee I I mean, I don't I'm not excited to bet on Rick Barnes, don't get me wrong. He, it could be a situation where they hit nothing, almost like that first game that Tennessee played. Uh winning by double digits and then barely beating Louisiana by three points. Very, very Jekyll and Hyde team this Tennessee, but just I feel a lot better about the under, and uh I think you do it for two stars. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Gonzaga versus UCLA, UCLA minus two, total 145.5. This game's going to be out in Las Vegas. There you go. Big game in Vegas. And, I mean, UCLA's going to have a ton of people there, but so is Gonzaga. You know, th- their fans travel well because that's all they got is really basketball. Um, UCLA the last three years is very basketball heavy themselves. I mean, this total 145.5 tells you there's going to be some scoring Call it a revenge game for UCLA, I guess. You know, revenge losing that last second shot a couple years back in the final four. Now, I mean, revenge. Well, Gonzaga wants revenge too. It's they want to win the title. So, not going to buy too much into that narrative that you're going to hear a little bit this week. I think that the important thing is how good are these teams today? Well, UCLA took care of business. They didn't cover against Northwestern they almost did it was kind of plinko at the end it was one of the the luckier ones that I finally got to win but in this situation I still have to look at the Jalen Clark injury is this the one where it all, all comes in is Gonzaga as good as they were two years ago I don't know maybe not probably not is UCLA as good as they were two years ago without Clark probably not you know it's all up to Jacquez and Tiger Campbell, really, man. I, I, I'm concerned for UCLA. Now, they're going to come out hot. They're, they know how to play Gonzaga. They've played Gonzaga in the past, but Drew Timmy knows how to play UCLA. I think this is going to be maybe the best game of the tournament itself. Without Jalen Clark, uh, UCLA is going to have a great near-proximity advantage, even though UCLA ranks uh, sixth, sorry fourth in defending near-proximity their center's been banged up. I mean, at least Bona did play the last game. He only scored six points against Northwestern. Very low-scoring game. I think they're going to try to slow it down, and I think that Gonzaga's going to try to keep it fast, you know, just the way it is. Uh, I seen UCLA score well both doing both, though. You know, UCLA played very fast in their first game, I thought, against uh, Asheville. They scored 86 points, you know. Now, Asheville's not that good of a team, but they schooled them. Made them look completely out of place. You know, I, at this point, I think Gonzaga's the better team. Uh, I have to give you a strong lean right now to Gonzaga at plus two just based upon the injuries, based on Timmy, based on the fact that they have some big returning guys themselves. Junior Julian Strother shoots over 42% from three. And, you know, you got Rustier Bolton, senior coming back, shoots about 40% from three uh Antoine Watson a senior you got Malachi Smith that transferred in you know he shoots over 50 percent from three you know the dude's been fantastic so uh yeah I, I think Gonzaga should have the horses to get this done this could be decided pretty late though and uh might be the best game of the whole tournament let's move into Friday's games San Diego State against Alabama, minus eight, total 136.5. Game's going to be played in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, man, this is, I mean, Alabama. You know, I tried going against them with Maryland, failed. <laughs> you know, failed miserably going against Alabama. So another situation where you have a large spread, plus eight, seven and a half to eight, total 136. You know, First inclination when I look at this game is the under. But at the same time, no efficiency site has this as a seven and a half to eight point spread. You know, Haslametrics has this more of a six point spread at max. I know that Ken Palm is around the four or five point range against the number one seed, Alabama. Uh, they're actually at five, and Bart Torvik. Is at 3.6. So, which way are you going to go with the seven and a half, eight points? Who are you going to believe here? I tend to lean a little bit with the efficiency sites. I know Bama has made me look like an idiot, but San Diego State, believe it or not, has the length to deal with Alabama. And San Diego State's a dog here, you know? (laughs) They haven't been dogs much this year. Just three times they went one and two ATS. But it just kind of goes to show you that um, they're now in a different position than they have been pretty much all year. So I find that kind of interesting. Looking at the matchups, you know, once again, there's no offensive advantage really that the defense can handle. Alabama's defense is number two in the nation, San Diego State's defense is number seven in the nation. Alabama's offense is number three, 13, but San Diego State's offense is number 45 really not crazy off here. You know, San Diego State doesn't shoot the three-rail, ranking 140th. Alabama only ranks 96 in three-point percentage. The problem is they get all the rebounds. That's why they do so well in cleaning up boards, but will they be able to do that against a, a tall San Diego State team? I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm i not sure. San Diego State's got a couple 6'10 guys, 6'9", um, I really expect more of a dogfight in this game. And if Alabama's anywhere cold, that could spell a little disaster for them. They would like to pace and run really fast, but they also turn over the ball when they do that sometimes. And, uh, you know, fast teams, like I say, if they're screwing up, it could uh, give other possessions to the next team. I really like Nate Oates. I got to give Nate Oates probably the coaching advantage in this situation, but does it warrant seven and a half points? I don't think so. Brian Dutcher deserves a little bit more than that. This should be about a five, five five-and-a-half point spread. Got to grab the points here with San Diego State. Seven-and-a-half. I'm not sure if they win the game. I don't think they'll win the game, but certainly uh, not within the realm of impossibility here. San Diego State, beastly team all year, ranked number 14th in Ken Palm in efficiency. Miami versus Houston. Houston's minus seven total is 138. Man, Houston, another team, you know, proving some people wrong. I mean, that first game, Houston was the number one team pretty much all season on Ken Palm and a lot of the other efficient sites. Uh, Played it. It was a little close against Northern Kentucky. They didn't pull away till the very end of that game. Now, Sasser was banged up. So you got to understand that at least. You got to give him a little bit of a pass for that. But Sasser only played 14 minutes in that game. He played 31 minutes in his last game and uh, went five for nine from three-point land. So, you know, Sasser, with the big game against Auburn, uh, deed up well and, uh, you know, played their, their Houston's game. And I, they're still reeling probably from not winning the American Athletic Conference. You know, I, I thought... You know, that game without Sasser against Memphis uh, really flustered them a little bit and pissed them off, and I think that's what you saw so far. But, you know, one thing about Miami and one reason why I pick Miami a lot to go far is due to their great guard play. They're good shooters, 23rd in effective field goal percent, 39th from three, 36th from two-point land. They don't have the most defense in the world, but they did enough against Indiana, winning 85 to 69 a uh, little bit more of a close call against Drake but um it, here's the thing Miami's been here before and they've stepped up in competition and they have experience this late in the season so uh guys like Wong and Nigel Pack are just you know better than a lot of the rest don't get me wrong i mean Houston's guards are great as well but playing a little bit of an inferior conference you know only Actually, nobody from Houston shoots 40% from three. They do rely on their defense a little bit. They could be a little bit suspect versus Miami. This is one I think Miami could actually steal. This is a large spread, in my opinion. You know, Miami, of course, when you're playing against a very highly rated defense, you're not going to get, you know, a bunch of advantages, right? But, you know, Miami does. Ranked number twelfth in second chance points. You know, they're good at offensive rebounds. Uh, Houston ranks number forty fifth in second chance points. I mean, Houston's number two in near proximity, but can you trust that a little bit in the American Athletic Conference? I'm not so sure. You know? <laughs> Miami also bad defense, but they play a lot of pace. You know, that and that's what can possibly get Houston a little bit. Houston faced Alabama earlier in the season at home and lost. Alabama was pacing them, pacing them pretty hard. For this late in the uh, game at Sweet 16, I'll take the points. I'll take seven and a half points here. Uh, I just see Miami with their guards and their experience being in the tournament, probably in a little bit better of a position here. And I think Houston at least gets a big scare here, possibly even drops this game. So put a little bit on the money line as well. Uh, I'll take three stars at seven and a half points sprinkle that shit next game princeton versus creighton minus 10 total is 140 well here we are princeton number 15 seed only dogs by 10 points now that's interesting creighton's a dang good team but one thing you notice about princeton they certainly have a ton of fight in them and They're the worst team left in the conference, or sorry, conference, Sweet 16, ranking 91st, but they seem to be playing a lot better than that, especially the way they just dissed Missouri. That was a win we were on this week. You know, As soon as they beat Arizona, I thought Arizona more beat themselves, and then I looked at Missouri, and I saw how they can't rebound, and I I thought I was going to be fading Princeton. I ended up jumping on Princeton plus the points, and they won outright. So this Princeton team might be a little bit better than what people expect. What's important is how they perform due to perception. Sure, they lost to Yale this year. They lost to Dartmouth, number 240, no, 260 Dartmouth. But does that matter in this situation? They're, they know their chances. They're smart kids over there at Princeton. I'm not so sure. I know Cockburner's a beast, but what I did notice about Princeton is that they actually deed up some of those tall guys from Arizona. You know, they have a couple guys that are 6'8 and 6'9. You know, so uh, Kelman was fantastic. Uh, there's I, I think they if they just kind of hang a little bit, they, they might be able to stop Creighton a little bit and slow down Kalkbrenner. Uh, it's a large spread. Most of the efficiency sites have it at about nine points. So you're getting a little bit of a point extra here. I'm going to give you a strong lean to Princeton in this situation. Uh, this is going to be played in Louisville as well so no exact home court advantage for either side finally xavier versus texas you know texas shockingly good lately and you know sometimes i just don't like the teams that win their conference tournaments well texas and alabama didn't seem to miss a beat there texas against colgate amazing coaching job i'm like are you serious terry you know rodney terry coaching his mind off you know he was like a i think he was the utep coach and got fired you know he was he's assistant coach at texas beard gets in trouble has to step down and terry just got these kids believing but you know what it was is they defended colgate perfectly they they played all perimeter defense they stepped up on him even when colgate was three feet back making ball screens they're right net in front of the three-point line They weren't allowing no easy shots, and that's how they they destroyed them. Now, Penn State gave them a little bit of run for their money, but Penn State, like I said with Jalen Pickett this whole tournament, that they're underrated coming in. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed with Texas, and I'm not impressed with uh, Xavier. Xavier had it very easy against a bad Pittsburgh team, and, of course, Kennesaw State. (laughs) To be honest with you, they almost dropped it to Kennesaw State. They got 30 free throw attempts to Kennesaw's, what, 15, something like that? massive advantage there this is one that i would seriously consider laying the points here with texas at the four and i, I think there's still value on that because xavier do they do not have a good defense they play fast they they give up a 50.1 percent effective field goal ranking 149th in the uh, nation they, they don't exactly get a lot of turnovers not the greatest offensive rebounding team they're decent on the defensive side but no (laughs) i see texas is more of the complete team here if i could redo my brackets i would have more with texas winning instead of the one i have with gonzaga i think texas uh might be right for the pick in here i i would lay the points here at the minus four for a couple stars my friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We'll have another guest on a little bit later in the week to talk about the Sweet 16. Enjoy the games. Enjoy all the sports that you're getting into now. Baseball's coming up. If you have any questions for the Ozbreakers, email us at info at Enjoy the rest of your week and go get some winners.